0: My hands are huge <laughs> <laughs> When Lur from Omicron Percy I8 eats a hippie. I think there was something funny in that hippie. Hello, I'm Justin. I'm Mark. We're the J Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode 31. Today we're gonna talk about baby vocalizations and other developmental milestones. But first here are the updates. So Mark, take it away with your coda updates.
1: Oh right this week, Koda is 11 weeks now. So just about two and a half months almost. Maybe next week is two and a half months. I'm not sure. But yeah, he's doing really good. Nothing really major to update. We've been just kind of hitting the road almost every day with him. So
0: he's getting out and about way more than I think most babies do. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, you guys got to travel for anything. Uh, out yeah, country. Yeah, uh, everything's a half an hour drive yeah nice um old nico he turned four months old yesterday nice so that's a pretty big one it feels yeah. like yeah not too much has changed in the day-to-day naturally uh but we are in the throes of moving right now mm. so That's um, been the biggest kind of monkey wrench in the baby's day-to-day schedule. So we got a house uh, like three days ago, and we just keep loading up the car, driving it over, unloading the car. We need to, you know, clean as we take things down here. There's like a lot of dust on the floor, like under the bed and that sort of thing. And then we've also got to give it the once over at the new place. So there's just like unlimited tasks to do. But meanwhile, remember... Before we were moving, I was feeling fully busy all day anyway, just taking care of the baby. Right. My only advice, if you happen to be moving with a a four-month-old, is um, just acknowledge that one person will pretty much always have to be with the baby doing baby things. And then if the other person is doing moving things, then that's your best case scenario. Yeah. So try to be comfortable with doing less rather than, you know, two people spending all day tearing the house down and packing things up. If one person's doing that, then that's all you can do really. And of course, Take advantage of naps or uh, grandparents help when you can, which we have had a lot of uh, grandmother babysitting. But um, anyway, it's kind of slower going. So, you know, if you're planning a move, don't give yourself two days, but. Like we were lucky enough to do, give yourself like three weeks or more, and right? And kind of slow roll it.
1: I've noticed that quite a bit actually with Coda here. Like, if we want to do anything individually, you really have to coordinate with your partner and be like, okay, can I have four hours today? <laughs> Where yeah. I'm just disappeared, and yeah. then you have to be like, oh okay. Then you you know you have to give that time back and be like, yeah. okay, you can have the four hours your for your time too. Yeah, but. It's definitely a lot A lot more thought goes into how you build your day's schedule than yeah. I had originally thought. Yeah.
0: Um, it is like a banking situation. Like there's a deposit and return on yeah. the time that you can have to yourself. <laughs> That's important to negotiate and to discuss. And then to also not take for granted, which I sometimes worry that I'm doing. Like if your spouse is mm. watching the kid for two or three hours while you're doing something else, your spouse could probably just use the break. So, right. You always have to kind of keep that in mind. But with the moving, I feel like we're both being productive no matter what. Somebody has to watch the kid. That's productive. And then somebody Mm -hmm. has to be packing or loading the car or whatever. And that's also productive. So um, it's like we're rarely away from the kid wasting any time. It's just uh, it's pretty full on these days. Right. Yeah. But I think that's it for updates, really.
1: Yeah. yeah, It's a short update week after a long update episode last week. Oh.
0: I, let me interject here. I do have kind of an update question for you. Uh, okay. You're taking pictures of Coda, right? Like the you know five-week, six-week, seven-week, eight-week, and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, when I remember
0: now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is, at some point, that has to fall off because you can't be like, this is the 857th week of our baby, you know? Dude, like, that would be impressive, though. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> you could do a time-lapse. That's pretty cool, then. Yeah. But. We were doing it and we uh, posted one to the family album app that our family looks at. And it said like week 16. And then I was talking to my wife's mother and she said, you posted a week 16 photo, but isn't he 17 weeks? And then wow. I got out the calendar and I counted the weeks and I was like, oh yeah, he is 17 weeks. <laughs> and we've been <laughs> posting them every week. So at a certain point, it was actually just two weeks in a row we had the wrong number. And I think I did it wrong. And then my wife looked at the one that I did wrong. And so she did it wrong. And uh, we had them off by a week and nobody noticed, but it's like, how long do you keep it going? (laughs) And we're kind of dragging our feet on it. Now we're ready to transfer into month mode, like four months, That's pretty big and important. But the weeks thing, even when you're up to like, well, at least 37 weeks, it just starts to feel really weird. Yeah. I was
1: talking to somebody a while ago and I was asking him how old his kid was and it was something like, oh, he's 22 weeks.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, it's tricky. Um, I think I'm ready to shift into month mode, but then you just feel like you're giving up a little tradition, you know, by not doing the week's photos. So we've made mm. up ground a couple of times. Like, uh, I noticed today my wife has out the wooden letters that say 17 weeks, two days, <laughs> because we realized two days after the, uh, the misnumbered 16 week photo that we took. Uh, so we oh. need to now do we're on the hook for a 17 week and two day photo is what I'm trying to say. You guys are more honest than we are. If we do that, it's always just, Oh, he's, you know, 10 weeks today. <laughs> and you're also like post dating your gas bill and stuff. like that. You Cheaters. Yeah. So, uh we're leaning into the months now i think yeah i'm looking forward to that transition too cool well um that's all i had so we can get into segment time if you like let us do it in the segment we'll have none of that behavior in the segment mark um how about uh today's main segment we're gonna come at it from a few angles it's about baby vocalizations and sort of how they uh, change and develop over time and how the babies get more skills as time goes by. Mm. So I think you were the lead researcher on this one. So do you want to kick it off?
1: Uh, sure. I got some stuff from the What to Expect website, not mm-hmm. the book, which I think mm-hmm. has slightly different information. But mm-hmm. one of the things I found when trying to figure out like when code is supposed to start like talking and to start doing better at that stuff, um, they say... Your baby may begin vocalizing anytime between the first few weeks and the second month, progressing from random experimental sighs and coos to sounds that are actually directed at toys, pets, objects, and people. And around the two-month mark, most babies will have developed a personal repertoire of vowel sounds, cooing, and gurgling, Mm. which I've noticed already in Coda. He's got a bit of variation in his sounds, like I can tell the... I'm about to poop sound from the, I'm
0: just hanging out here and happy sound. <laughs> That's a good distinction to make. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the book, I've got the book here in front of me, What to Expect the First Year, completely revised and updated third edition. It's interesting, uh, like, I guess people usually preface this kind of discussion by saying that babies' milestones can be off by a few months in either direction most of the time, mm-hmm. and then There's a note that I read once, I think, in the What to Expect book that said, remember that your baby's milestones are sort of like cumulative over his first year. He's going to do all these sorts of things in his first year. And then so long as he's Mm progressing, it's more or less normal within a range, then don't worry about it. Every kid's going to be different. Uh, And some kids will excel at some things and lag behind at other things and vice versa. So uh, not to like take any of this to heart too much. So true to their word here in the book. They break down all of the time frames. Like it starts off with newborn, then the next section is newborn to one month, then one to two months, two to three, and so on. Uh, within each of those headings, they have four uh, sort of categories. The first one says most babies will probably be able to, which is mm. sounds to me like a seventy-five percent, eighty percent, but it's like yeah. double qualified. It's you know well hedged. The next one says half of all babies will be able to. The next one says some babies will be able to. And the last one says a few babies will be able to. So you're, Mm -hmm. you know, I would assume that that's like, you know, 90th percentile kind of thing on the few babies. That's just my guesswork. But um, I thought I would read through these, just the uh, vocalizing ones. And you can tell me if Coda now at uh, just over two months, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He's checked these boxes yet. Okay. So in the newborn to one month category, this says some babies will be able to vocalize in ways other than crying such as that adorable cooing Mm, for sure yeah he's vocalizing nico's vocalizing all over the place too so um of course nico's four months now so Mm. that's old hat at this point (laughs) (laughs) uh in the one to two month category it says um half of all babies like this is what happens in this book a lot is in the newborn to one month category it's some babies and then in the one to two month category it gets elevated to mm. half of babies. so it just becomes more you know uh probabilistic i guess that the kid will be able to do it um so we've already covered that Vocalize in ways other than crying cooing for instance uh it also says in the one to two month range a few babies will be able to laugh out loud do you ever mm. you notice know, To laughing out loud or lulling, as we say, yeah, it's not, I
1: wouldn't quite classify it as a laugh, but Mm -hmm. it's right on the edge. He's got a Mm -hmm. big grin, and then he's like just about to laugh, but like just like a short sound comes out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, it sounds like he's on the road, and then true enough, in the uh, two to three months, it says half of all babies will be able to laugh out loud, and then three Mm -hmm. to four months. It says most babies will probably be able to laugh out loud. So I would say in the three month window there, that's when Nico really started doing the like <laughs> that kind of thing, which I count as a laugh and not just strangling. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think three month was dead on for Nico. Okay. Next up in the one to two month range, it says a few babies will be able to squeal in delight. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I never thought of it as a squeal,
1: but sometimes his double chin makes him look like a little pig. So, sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he was born with a tail, we should point out. That's right. Um, <laughs> squeal, yeah. Our son does more of like a, it's not like squeal to me seems really high pitched. Yeah. Member a lot of effort behind it but our kids more like through the course of his breathing he just goes like uh, 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 like that kind of thing <laughs> And if that's a squeal then he's definitely squealing but he's usually a lot more low-pitched than a squeal hmm. but uh, he's right on the border of i would say yes he he squeals kind of uh two to three months it says most babies will probably be able to laugh out loud which we talked about some babies squeal in delight two to three months a few babies will be able to Raz, uh, which is to make a wet razzing sound or a raspberry like a like a kind of thing. Yeah. Um,
1: I wouldn't call it like a full Raz, but it's it's definitely almost.
0: He's like pursed the lips a bit, but it's still more of a coo sound than the Raz. Yeah. I we've never gotten anything close to a Raz out of Nico. It's not uh one of his things. Hmm. So no idea, you know, um According to the book, the Raz should be coming in the three to four months or four to five months. It you know gets more likely, hmm. but um, it's we're nowhere near it. I haven't heard anything? Is like that one of
1: those things where it's more like mimicked? Like once you start doing it more to them, maybe they'll pick it up more.
0: Uh, that, it's a good question. I bet if they had it modeled for them, they would be able to pick up on it better. I know that the book says for things such as like sticking out the tongue. And uh, smiling, those things will be mimicked for sure. And yeah. I've noticed that in Nico. So, a raz I mean, if it's modeled, maybe, but it also seems like uh, kind of a complex action to get your lips and breathing and pressure and all that together. So, it almost seems accidental to me. And then that yeah, the baby maybe. might just enjoy it, but I'm not really sure. Hmm. Uh, the next thing in two to three months, a few babies will be able to say, ah, goo or similar vowel-consonant combinations.
1: Yeah, he's definitely stringing together some stuff. I'm not sure that I'd call it a strict uh, agu, but uh, some variation of it.
0: Yeah, I would say, yeah, Nico's there. Of course, he's at four months, so he's just making all kinds of sounds now, and then Mm. randomly, some of them happen to be kind of consonant-y. But he's definitely vowel-heavy, just more like, uh, uh," kind of long extended vowels yeah yeah coda as well well let's see what else we got in the list here um i'm gonna have to break up into the four to five month range the four to five month is still covering things like squill and delight which it says most babies will probably be able to do four to five months half of all babies can do the agu can make a razz sound but mm-hmm. then they introduce a few babies will be able to babble combining Mm -hmm. vowels and consonants such as ga 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 ba 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 ma 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 da 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 they consider that to be babbling Hmm. and i think that nico at four months is just shy of babbling like he wouldn't give us a big run of consonant sounds like that but he just more just vocalizes you know just as he's exhaling makes a sound That's pretty Mm. much what he does. Uh, So that's as far as we're willing to go because then you get into six to seven month territory and it's like a whole new ball game that we're not familiar with. But um, it sounds like our kids are somewhere in the middle of the pack on all of these things. Yeah, it seems like they're both pretty on
1: track at their own levels, which, you know, that's all you can hope for.
0: Yeah, for sure. And even if they weren't, um, you know, uh, as we said in the beginning, it's all just kind of scatter scattershot. So don't worry about it too much. If your kid is a month or two behind on any of that stuff. Yeah.
1: I, uh, I also have some milestones that I grabbed that I was going to ask you about and whether Nico is, is doing these as well. And I'll compare them to the, the two month Coda level as well. All right. So these are from the, uh, the CDC website and these are two month and four month, um, milestones broken down by social and emotional, language, communication, cognitive, and physical. So to start with the social and emotional. um, So I'll just list these three and you let me know which ones you think he's nailed. Mm -hmm. Smiles on his own to get your attention. Chuckles when you try to make him laugh or looks at you, moves or makes a sounds to keep your attention.
0: Huh, that's, um, he does all of that stuff really well and frequently and easily. The only Mm. thing that weirds me out about it is it seems like they're giving the baby a lot of intentionality in those milestones. Like, I don't know if he's doing it to keep my attention or if he's just doing it for kicks. Right. Anyway, he's question. He's certainly doing all of that stuff. Well, okay. I think we've talked about this before
1: and I was curious. So like this idea of intentionality with a baby. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be something that's like conscious. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can have intentionality without being conscious of it, can't he?
0: Yeah, I suppose so. That's a good question. Can you hold on? Let me think about this. Sorry, we're just getting super deep right now. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> too deep. <laughs> so deep. So, uh, I always pull out of a deep spiral with an man reference. Um, so deep. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I think we're splitting hairs because if you are, if you have an intention to do something, hold on, I forget the question. What are we talking about?
1: Does intention have to be a conscious thing? Oh yeah. Or can it be sub, like a subconscious tension?
0: I would say it, it almost does have to be conscious because if you have an intention, it's like you've made a calculated move to do something, you know, it's an intention. And if you've got a calculated move, then you must have worked it out beforehand. You must have thought about it.
1: But it it could just be one of those where it's a reactional thing, couldn't it? And like,
0: yeah, like his intention is to get your
1: attention because he knows that that makes him feel better. Yeah. But he doesn't know that he necessarily wants your attention.
0: I guess a clear cut example would be like his intention is to get milk. And so he cries. It's not like he's worked it out on paper that the cry will get him milk right. it's just like he's crying because he wants milk so there's an kind of an intention there which is feed me but right. it's more he's reacting to his own feeling you know he feels right. his stomach is hungry and then he he cries so uh i'm right on the fence of calling that intentionality though because it's mm. almost like the kid is uh reacting to his own like you know sensations or something
1: yeah yeah like base instincts are coming yeah. out kind of and driving him yeah all right, well, I'll compare that with the two month milestones, which mm-hmm. are uh, calms down when spoken to or picks up, uh, looks at a person's face, seems happy when you walk up to them and smiles when you talk or smile at them,
0: which mm.
1: I can pretty safely say that Koda does all of those pretty
0: well and consistently. Yeah, good. Nico as well. And it seems like he has since the second month.
1: All right, on to the language communication milestones. Makes sounds like ooh and ah, makes sounds back when you talk to him, turns head towards you
0: when you make a sound or talk to him or anything. That's a definite yes on all of those. Uh, the funny thing about like moving his head toward your voice is it's a yes, but it's like very slow going because you uh, expect somebody to whip their head around and look at you, but you say his name and then he just bobbles his head slowly from one side of his body <laughs> to the other to check it <laughs> out like an old <laughs> drum. And uh, it, it, it all happens, but you can tell that it's like, you know, at the baby level, he's doing all this stuff for the first time and just realizing that he can do it. And it takes right. uh, quite a, an effort on his part. Nice. But yes, to all of those things.
1: That's good. Uh, the two month equivalent would be makes sounds other than crying and reacts to loud sounds, which yeah. I would say yes to. But I'd also say that Coda's pretty good at turning his head towards sounds. And, like, mm-hmm. if I come, like, when Moe is talking to him and hanging out, and then I come over on the other side, he will turn his head and look at me when I start talking to him. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, though, super slow. Yeah. But there is there is that there, so I'd say mm-hmm. he's he's doing pretty good. Uh, the cognitive milestones: so if hungry, opens mouth uh, when he sees when he's ready to eat, and then uh, looks at his hand with interest.
0: Uh, I don't know if those are. I mean, I haven't really noticed the when hungry opens his mouth because from birth, you know, kids will root and uh, yeah. hunt for. A nipple I mean obviously they're opening their mouths when they're doing that uh, and then when he's hungry he's typically crying so his mouth is open but I right. have never just thought of a strict opening of the mouth leading to like wanting food or not I've never paid attention to that
1: I think in this way they made it more like if he sees the bottle or breast mm-hmm. then he's like mm-hmm. okay open
0: he definitely notices bottles now he'll lock on to a bottle and it'll oh. stop him crying a bit when he's hungry because he sees it's coming Oh, nice. so um he's aware in that way of the bottle and i've just never paid attention to his mouth opening in relation to that i mean he's always mm, like, like it, baby's kind of slack jawed most of the time anyway so i don't know, <laughs> I mean, <it's> just <laughs> subtle, you know subtle difference but mm-hmm. um what was the other one
1: uh looks at his hands with interest you know some kids like chew on their hands
0: yeah he I chews see. on his hand constantly and uh <laughs> I mean, he'll sometimes like spit the bottle out of his mouth to chew on his hand. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, no. Get that out of there. Take your <laughs> bottle. So his hand is pretty much always in his mouth, but I uh, never see him look at and contemplate his hand. Um, like, Oh, I have a hand. I've got a hand. Like the old Futurama thing. <laughs> My hands are huge. <laughs> when Lur from Omicron Percy I <laughs> ate, eats a hippie. I think there was something funny in that hippie. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> not to, well, not to address. I think his, his cognitive
1: abilities are right up there. It sounds like he's doing right on par The the two month is, uh, it's similar. It's watches as you move and then looks at an object for more than a second with interest. Mm, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'd say Coda does that pretty yeah. frequently.
0: Yeah. That's good. Um, they don't mention anything about the distance, the kid can see there, right?
1: No, I haven't read much about it yet. I was looking into it, but they seem to get stuck on the infant sees like eight to 10 inches from their face. And then after that it grows, but they don't have like a gauge.
0: I've noticed that uh, anytime I've read anything about that sort of thing, uh, Nico's blown it out of the water. Like he'll watch you from two rooms away, or he'll look at something on the wall, you know, that's mm. several meters distant and it'll hold his attention. Um, so, uh, he's obviously, you know, like every baby, there are some milestones that he doesn't meet according to the schedule, but that one, he's always done pretty well on the looking at things, holding his attention and seeing them from quite a distance.
1: Nice. All right. on to the last physical development. This one's a little bit longer list. We've got holds head steadily without support, holds a toy when put in his hand, uses arms to swing at toys, brings hand to mouth. And pushes up onto elbows or
0: forearms when on tummy. Mm. Well, um, he definitely holds his head up. He's been doing that for a long time. No trouble. He doesn't really use his hands much, or he doesn't grab for things much. And uh, he will hold on to something if you put it into his hand, and he makes mm. a fist. Then, but it's almost like he's absent-mindedly holding it for quite a while. Uh, mm. But. one thing we've noticed is that he doesn't really grab for anything he likes to watch things happen and look around but he's not that interested in like manipulating those things Hmm. and then um in terms wait what was one more of them like the last one
1: uh hands to mouth and then
0: pushing on to elbows and forearms uh yeah hands to mouth constantly and then uh you know to do the uh getting up onto your hands or your elbows thing you have to do a lot of tummy time on a firm surface and uh Hates tummy time so much. <laughs> oh man! That in the beginning, he had a bit of a learning curve and got used to it, but then uh, that learning curve dropped off in the other direction, and he won't stay on his tummy for more than five seconds without screaming. Oh! So we haven't given him a lot of uh, like full-on tummy time, and then I feel like he's kind of not developed much of his uh, like lifting himself up game. Is he doing like on your chest tummy time and stuff? He hates that as well. He hates all versions oh. of tummy time just yeah. doesn't like being face down. Yeah, just hates it. And uh, contrary to what they say, they say kids are like, you know, it's easier to sleep and that sort of thing. Huh. But um, he will not tolerate it. So we haven't had much opportunity for him to try and flip stomach to back. Um, mm. He hasn't had much opportunity to do his push-ups or anything like that. No lunges, hmm. no burpees. He does burp a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, he sort of... Um, He gets his head exercise and his neck exercise just through holding him. You know, he looks around or if you're on the sofa, you're leaning back a little bit and he's like popped his head up at the angle. So he can do it. But yeah, none of that. uh, None of that Mm. arms really.
1: How about little K? His milestones for that two month level are uh, holds head up when on tummy time, moves both arms and legs and opens hands briefly, Mm. which he does all of that stuff constantly he uh he's okay with tummy time he can do about like a solid minute mm-hmm. and then he's like okay i'm tired of this get me out of here
0: yeah but
1: one time he did flip himself over from stomach to back
0: whoa
1: yeah it was milestone. i think it was last week actually yeah but never did it again he's actually he's not been happy with tummy time since then
0: so maybe he realized like oh crap things can change i don't want to do this anymore yeah, it's has been terrifying we did have the uh instance three weeks ago or four weeks ago when nico fell through his crib so he was moving oh. somehow at that time it's hard to say he might have rolled over that might have been his first rollover and, <laughs> and swore it off maybe but um yeah i i've yeah he he'll kick his legs up and lean a bit and that sort of thing but yeah no Mm -hmm. real rolling over yet well that's all i had for milestones on my section all right you brought up the idea earlier this week to me of um recording our baby's vocalizations and um i did that i've got three brief audio files here they're uh nico expressing Different emotions. (laughs) Okay, uh, they are like kind of situational. Like, what was the situation when he was making this noise? That's the question. Okay, so I'll play them each for you as a quiz, and you can tell me what you think. What you think he's doing, Uh, or like, what was his basic emotional state, or if he needed something, what did he need? Okay. All right. uh, Here we go. This is the first one. Really going there. Yeah, he gives us that a couple times a day.
1: I think that was post-feeding. He was feeling very happy and had a full stomach and just jolly about life.
0: Yeah, that one I titled Nico Happy Talk. Um, nice. So I don't know in relation to a feeding when it had been, but um that was when He's in a good mood. Usually when he wakes up, he's in a good mood or right after eating, he's in a good mood. And then if you make eye contact with him and get your face right up in his, he wants to have a big old conversation. Nice. So that is some straight up Nico happy talk. That's good. Uh, Here's audio clip number two. okay that was a one. uh
1: i think that is a uh, that is a tired baby talk right there i feel like he's just saying like i want to go to sleep i don't know how <laughs> yeah that
0: one i titled nico fussy talk uh, <laughs> nice. he's being a fussy boy and that is not a full cry but that's when it's like look if you don't take care of me now this is going to get right. a lot worse for you. <laughs> <Right. And> so <laughs> you usually have, depending on how well you can entertain him like a five or 10 minute window of fussy talk. Mm-hmm. Um, if you totally leave him alone, it'll go into full cry immediately. But um, right. you can kind of entertain him out of a cry. But that would lead into wanting to eat or like that late afternoon, evening time, general fussiness when he's just mm-hmm. getting irritable and tired. So yeah. either of them. All right. Okay. And here's the here's the last audio clip.
1: <laughs> all
0: right <laughs> that, that is a, uh,
1: a hungry baby sound
0: yes indeed <laughs> Ping pong. that's a uh, okay I've passed the point of no return and you have to feed me now. Um, that's yeah. about as bad as you experience on a day-to-day basis because he does have another level of cry, which is a full on screamy, like making himself hoarse kind of a cry. Right? Um, but he reserves that for really bad moments. Like, um, you know, like yeah. he's getting four shots in a row or something like that. Or if he's just like, if he's immediately hungry and then you have to heat up water, for a bottle and then mix it and then let it cool down and suddenly he's been hungry for 10 minutes right? Uh, and he'll get into it's tearful like gagging coffee kind of a cry which thankfully i didn't have the occasion to record
1: i was gonna say when the when those occasions do arise you probably don't whip out your phone first thing to yeah. record <laughs> yeah exactly uh so i have a another list to close this out. And then I do have some sounds of my own that I was going to play. But this section, I wanted to talk about what to do to encourage more talking with your, with your child. Uh, And it's, it's pretty simple. Um, There's three things. One of them is to interact with your baby often, uh, which is just, you know, basically playing with them. If they're Mm -hmm. in a bouncing chair or whatever, you know, move their hands around, move their feet, try to talk to them. And then the next one is actually try to have a conversation with your baby. So like give pause to your conversation and give it a moment for your kid to talk back to you. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that eventually when you do this regularly, like Coda definitely talks back to me when I do it to him. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is more of a a caution. Like notice when your baby needs quiet time Mm -hmm. and they're being overstimulated. So, um, take a break from activities, you know, put them in a bouncer, let them just kind of zone out on the ceiling for a while. And Mm -hmm. you know, that also helps them.
0: Yeah. That's one of those things that I try to take to heart more because, you know, we're both on parental leave over here. And so theoretically we could be, you know, 16 hours a day in front of the baby's face and just talking to them and doing stuff with them. But then, I've read that multiple times that you know the kid needs downtime as well to just sort of Mm -hmm. stare off into space and relax, and um, I guess it would be like us like watching uh, intense drama on TV and trying to do it for like sixteen hours in a day. Eventually, you're going to be sick of it, you know. So (laughs) um, the kid needs. We've all done that. We've all done that and regretted it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it's a method of torture in Guantanamo. It's like here, watching Game <laughs> of Thrones season seven. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, anyway, take that GOT. Um, so I think, yeah, now what I'll do is like this morning, uh, my wife was about to leave and she propped the baby up in the corner of the sofa and she said, do you want to take him? And I said, well, if he's happy there, then. I'll just let him stay there for a while. So mm. I was in the well in the same room, but I was on the other side of the room. You know, keeping an eye on him, and as long as he was smiley and happy, I thought this is a good decompression time for him. Nice. And the kid will let you know if they want a change of scenery, so then you can take them up on it. Mm. But I think that all that's good advice. Um, I also, you know, I'm a big reader uh, in terms of reading to the baby, and I'll read my own books and novels and mm. things that are for adults. And I was reading. Uh, recently in the what to expect book that all that's like really good and encouraged just to give them exposure to language and, you know, to hear your voice and to have bonding time. But then at a certain point when the kid him or herself is trying to speak, you'll want to taper that down and then really get into things that the kid could mimic and focus Mm -hmm. on that more. So whether it's just those books that are simple vocabulary or if it's like simple sentences in books and then you should read them all like sort of one word at a time. I also read, um, don't rely on pronouns as much, but try to get the noun in there. Like instead of saying he or right. she say like, uh, mom or dad or say grandma or grandpa and use it repeatedly to help the kid latch onto those concepts. So yeah. um, as for now, I'm going, you know, way over the top, but then it's just because the kid's too young to make sense of anything anyway. Uh, right. When the kid starts to come online language-wise, that's when you can tone it down a bit and spend more time with the age-appropriate kids' books. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: All right, then I'm going to close this segment out with some of Coda and my conversation. That's my good boy? Oh, that's good. You want to say anything else? Oh, that's nice. Oh, you're such a cute little guy. Talk so much. Yeah. And that's it.
0: Yeah, that's good. That also um, really abides by one of the rules. Maybe you read or maybe that I uh, I heard somewhere else, but that you should leave in the gaps to hmm. um, like allow the kid to respond, and kids are somehow in tune with that. It, it crossed my mind, like, the kid sees you talking all the time. Maybe he just starts talking all the time and it doesn't matter if you're talking on top of each other, but <laughs> according to the books, uh, the kid will uh, get into the rhythm of taking turns with speech and that sort of thing. So mm. it's good to even, you know, ask them questions and leave a gap so that they can vocalize or just um, as they're vocalizing, you just respond with rejoinders like, Oh yeah, great. Oh really? And that sort of thing. Yeah. It helps exactly. them get in the rhythm of it.
1: Well, I think that uh, that closes out the segment zone.
0: All right. Let's, um, let's put some caution tape up around the segment <laughs> zone and wave people around it now. It's done for. Uh, what comes up next? I always forget. I think uh, my question for you is... Perfect.
1: So I think uh, I have a question for you. It's a pretty simple question but I've been curious if you guys have done this yet. Uh, Mostly because we did it for the first time like a week ago on my birthday, but it was a pretty unique experience. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. if you, you've done it. Have you gone out to a proper restaurant with the kid, just the two of you or just the Uh, three of you, I should say.
0: uh, No, not to a regular restaurant situation. We talked about it before. We'll go to our friend's cafe curio Mm. and uh, it's a lot more chill and the owners of the place want to be interacting with the baby. And it's more of like hanging out with your friends. But as far as going into an actual restaurant, uh, we, uh, we did eat outside at um, Shake Shack in Osaka, but that was like outdoor, Mm. you know, alfresca dining. So just leave the kid in the stroller and it it didn't feel like a real restaurant experience. So basically, no, not yet. Gotcha. Do you have any plans to, coming up uh there's nothing in the cards in particular i think i would want the kid to be able to sit first you know so that at least you could get him in a high chair or a booster seat Mm -hmm. because um at four months old nico can't really sit up independently if you have him in a Mm. form fitted chair that holds him upright he can but um, i want him to be able to sort of keep his balance at least sitting on his butt so um Maybe hmm. here in another couple of months, we'll take them out someplace. Nice. So, how about you guys?
1: Yeah, we went to a restaurant for my birthday last week, but it was a pretty unique restaurant. Uh, it's a local one in town here, and it's set up with separate rooms. A lot of restaurants in Japan have separate rooms for places, so I think it makes it a little easier. And it also helped that there was literally nobody else eating in this restaurant at the time. So we didn't feel too guilty, Uh, but it was good. We had our own room, the door closed. Um, We had space. If we needed to like pick him up, walk him around, we could do a diaper in
0: there. And so
1: it was pretty good experience.
0: Come to think of it uh, about three, four weeks ago, we actually did have a dinner in a, uh, in a room like that at a restaurant. We did go to a restaurant, but oh. it, it was an isolated room and it was a big party because my wife's friends were in town. Mm. So, uh, it was essentially a restaurant, but there were so many people and we didn't even hold the baby for like 95% of the time because my wife's friends were all taking turns. They're all mothers. And, mm. uh, passing the boy around and talking about how refreshing it was to hold a sweet little baby. So <laughs> uh, it was like very much not like a, you know, pull up a high chair and sit right. in a restaurant kind of a situation. So right. yeah, we haven't had a normal one yet. We've been dancing all around it, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds like uh, if you can do that private room thing, like you guys did. And like we did at that party, that's pretty ideal.
1: I think that's the only way I'd go other than like, we've done a lot of like the, the food courts in the mall, uh-huh. I don't want to do like a proper restaurant with like a booth. Yeah, until like
0: you're saying like he can sit there and that's like easier. that's almost the final boss of kid dining. I believe the final boss of kid dining is like one of those ramen places in Tokyo where you can only stand at the counter. And uh, see right. If your kid can deal with that,
1: you have to be this tall to eat this ramen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See how he handles that one maybe years from now. Well, um, I'm, I'm locked in with some Japanese of the day, if you are keen to. Yeah, bring it on. This one, uh, I've got a little slip of paper here that fell out of an envelope. You know, when your kid's born in Japan, just like in mafia movies, they hand over envelopes full of cash. Right. And this slip of paper fell out of one of the envelopes, and I believe it was an instructional slip of paper about what you can write in the envelope. That probably should have been taken out and thrown away, but um, <laughs> like snuck through. And uh, it's funny because this is specifically how to uh, write things that you might want to write, like congratulatory phrases, but how to write them in Kanazawa bin and. Oh. Uh, Kanazawa bin, bin in this case means like a dialect. So um, Kanazawa has its own way, like everywhere in Japan, they have their own ways of saying things. Mm. So I thought, because I've got this list of Kanazawa bin, uh, I would read a Kanazawa bin phrase and quiz you to see if you can tell me in Japanese or in English, what do you think mm-hmm. the phrase should actually mean? And they're all very common phrases. Okay. So nothing too specific or outlandish. First... This is just way too easy. I'll start off with this one. It says "omeditosan." Omedetosan. Interesting. Yeah. Omedetosan. Um, yeah. Just congratulations, I guess. Yeah, exactly. The full phrase would be "omedito gozaimasu" in the hmm. official way, but apparently, I'd never heard this before. But "omeditosan" is uh, a Kanazawa way of saying that. I'd never heard it either. It sounds like Mister Congratulations to me. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the next one, maybe you've heard this one before, but the Kanazawa bin is anyato. No, man. I don't know. Oh, yeah? this is. I heard this years ago. Um, anyato. Anyato is a Kanazawa way of saying arigato. No, I've never heard that before. Oh, really? I guess you're not technically in Kanazawa, so maybe these things haven't come up. <laughs> no. I I think I was only there two and a half years. Yeah. Anyato. I've heard it, and I've said it before. Believe it or not, hmm. this one is a oh, classic phrase, classic Japanese phrase. But the um, the Japanese goes "gamba Gambamashi. Gambamashi.
1: Hmm. I mean, just from the first part, I would say like, "good luck" or, you know, "best wishes" or something. Yeah,
0: the uh, "gambatte." Yeah, it's like go for it, try your best, good luck. That sort of a vibe. Yeah. So, Apparently, Ganban Mashi. Ganban Mashi. Uh, mm. It's Ganbare. And finally, this one is has a bit more of a specific meaning. Uh, it is Ikataji. <laughs> Ikattaji. I don't know, man. the way you're saying it is throwing me off. <laughs> I'm trying to be native, dude. Ikataji uh, <laughs> Uh, I, got, I got no idea. <laughs> it's basically, according to this slip, it's basically "yokata desne," which means uh, it's, it's good or it was good or something. Say it uh, again. It's uh, you know how "e e," which means good, in yeah. many conjugations has to become "yo," right? Like "e uh, desne" means it's good, and then "yokata desne" means yeah, it, it was good for something in the past. Uh, This one, for some reason, it uh, keeps the E, even though it's somewhat conjugated, and it's ikataji. So I don't don't know exactly why. Uh, Grammatically, I'm sure there's a reason, but um, I didn't consult with anyone on this. I'm just reading from the slip, just reporting the facts. We report, you decide, ladies and gentlemen. Just the facts. Just the facts. That is our Japanese of the day, and I think we can dad joke it up. All right, I have uh, I have a few today. Do you? I've got one dad joke, but I have a special surprise for today's dad jokes.
1: Okay, uh, why don't you? Uh, do you want to lead us off with that then?
0: It's that um, I'm recording this in my front room. We're in the move, right? Moving to a new house, so things are kind of getting mixed around. And right now, I'm I've got my computer and mic set up on like a makeshift workbench, and uh, I'm sitting on my drum. They call it a throne, the drum throne, but it's a stool that you have in front of a drum kit. So if I spin around 180 degrees, I'm at my drum set, baby. So nice. we can uh, <laughs> we can do dad jokes with authentic rim shots today. <laughs> I just got the drum kit right here. I just tried to figure out how to do a rim shot right before we started recording, and I think I've got it. Uh, this is also an electronic drum kit, so it might not sound like a fully real thing, but um, it's good. anyhow. We're going to give it a whirl. Uh, you kick it off with a joke, and I will test okay. out the rim shot. What do you call a sleeping bull? Uh, what do you call a sleeping bull? A, uh, I don't know. What do you call a sleeping bull? A bulldozer. <laughs> Heyo! <laughs> Hopefully that came through. No, uh, that was going to great. I was thinking he's in bed, so it's like a bull sheet. <laughs> but that wasn't exactly it didn't make sense. And it was a bit dirty for a dad joke. A bulldozer makes perfect sense now. Yeah, right. remember these are for kids. These are these for are kids. kids. <laughs> yeah, no curse word I'm uh, just getting my rimshot legs under me, so hit me with one more and I will rimshot it right up. Where do pencils go for vacation? Uh they go to uh oh. mm. Don't know. Where do they go? Pennsylvania. Oh, <laughs> the ride that time. <laughs> oh, it was good. Uh, I I made up my own dad joke yesterday, and um, it's just a one-liner. Nice. I was on a tour at a car manufacturing plant, and I could not stop watching this one really fascinating robot on the assembly line. It was riveting. <laughs> Oh hold on, hold on. Still-
1: <laughs> uh nice. Alright, I got I got one more to close this all out. What do you call a guy who never farts in public? <laughs>
0: hmm. Uh I don't know. What do you call a guy who never farts in public? A private tutor. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Woo!
1: Heck yeah. Uh, That's great. All right. (laughs) We got to do that every week. Okay. (laughs) I'll see if we can fit it into the move.
0: Well, I don't have anything else. Oh, wait. I've got a guitar here, and uh, it hasn't been tuned for months. But what we could also do after a dad joke... Oh, goodness. I'm knocking everything off. (laughs) What we could also do after uh, maybe a failed dad joke would be to go... that sort of a thing <laughs> maybe we'll tune up the guitar before we try it again i like it <laughs> it's all chaos here ladies and gentlemen it all is chaos. but we're almost done so it's all good that's good you've made it through the worst <laughs> uh thank you for listening we hope this week's episode was informative and interesting if you have any questions or comments please reach out to us either on twitter at j pops podcast or by email at info at talk to you next time pizza time.